Hey everyone, this week on Bold Life Out Loud, I'm catching you up on all things foster care. What's going on with the twins, Adoption Awareness Month, and just life in general. Welcome to Bold Life Out Loud, one woman's journey about living outside the normalcy box and the people doing life with me. Here's to living an authentic, messy life and sharing truth of real life lessons instead of the constant perfection feed. I'm Bonnie and welcome to my bold life I'm living out loud. Hey, you guys, welcome to episode seven of Bold Life Out Loud podcast. Today, we're playing catch up. It's been a while since I've done a podcast because the reality is life. Every week, I've wanted to sit down and do one, but sometimes when you're in the middle of the yes, it's truly hard to put words exactly to what you're feeling. So today, I wanna share with you just a little of what we've been walking through from saying yes to the twins, Dominic's adoption, and Adoption Awareness Month. Okay, so let's start off with the things that are just overtaking our life right now. Um, In September, we said yes to two kids. I call them the twins if you follow us on social media, one little girl and one little boy. Um, They're not actually twins. They are what we would call Irish twins. They are exactly 10 months apart. Little Miss, we call her Sassy Sis, is uh, two years old, and Little Man is three. And so they are brother and sister. They are exactly 10 months apart, and we said yes to them um, in September. It is now November, and you guys, I cannot make up the stuff that happens to our life. Um, Basically, so the kids were placed with us. They were removed because, of course, neglect and abuse situations um, were going on. It's really interesting how much intel I've actually gotten on the kids in our home this time around. It seems like when we got Dominic, it was harder to get information. But just because of where we're connected and the small town that we live in, this time around it was easier to get information about what was actually going on and why the kids were removed. Um, So fast forward today, we're in November and the kids basically have been with us September, October, and it's the middle of November. So that's almost three months and we are still in what's called jurisdiction um, stage. And so what that means is when kids are removed from their families and placed into care, the state actually, the state of Oregon has to prove to the court or to the system that they had legal reasons for removal. Um, And we've actually had our first placements that we ever received. We got them on Friday and basically um, they went to court the next day and had to return the kids. So that was really awkward. It was basically one night. The state didn't have enough um, proof or enough evidence um, for why they removed. And so the judge actually told the state to return their kids. Um, Now, (laughs) our case is different. We've had the kids, like I said, basically for three months. Um, They started their jurisdiction. It was two days. And then we actually got notice that jurisdiction, the final day was pushed out to December 1st. Okay, so what does this mean? 
in the um, rules of foster care or what return to home plan looks like. So basically, until the state actually has legal jurisdiction, even though they actually have custody of the kids right now, they don't have a right to tell parents what they actually have to do to get their kids back is the lamest way to break it down. Um, so basically, the state can't go to the uh, bio parents and say, hey, I need you to complete A, B, and C so we can give you your kids back. Um, right now, they can't do anything. And so once we have our final um, hearing December 1st, we'll actually have notice of what needs to happen. And it can go either way. It can go, hey, uh, we didn't get jurisdiction of the kids. We need to return the kids to their parents as soon as possible. Um, and that would happen pretty fast. Or they would move on and say, we do have jurisdiction of the kids. This is what it's going to look like moving forward. And that's when um, like safety planning, which means a safety plan is you need to have proper housing. You need to have someone that's able to check in with you. You need to have some sort of family mentoring or drug rehabilitation um, stuff going into it to be able to get your child back. And so that's where we're at right now with these kids, which is kind of frustrating from the foster parent standpoint because basically these kids have been in our home. There's um, We're dealing with behaviors. We're trying to set them up for um, success. But the reality is too, like, what does that look like? Like, it's everything that we've done over the last three months. We're going to get a phone call one day and just be like, oh, by the way, you need to pack up everything and give the kids back. Um, you know, we've connected, but we've also, I think, not having an understanding of what this looks like. Is it long term? Is it six months? Or is it when, you know, we have to hand them back over? Um, that kind of just puts our whole family in limbo, which is not a fun place to live at in the midst of COVID now rolling into the holiday season. So um, that's just kind of where we're at right now with the twins and what it's looked like. Okay, so let me tell you what it's looked like. Um, little little Miss Sassy Sis, she um, is connected to me like at my hip. She wants me to hold her all the time. She had issues like even going and hanging out with other people. Um, thank God, though, over the last, I would say, week or two, she's really been able to, like, like she didn't like my husband. So me leaving without her was not successful. Like, he would have to deal with her crying and fits and all that stuff. And so it's gotten easier. Like, she doesn't mind going to daycare. I really think she's had issues with guys, and so she just doesn't like them, um, except she loves Isaiah for some reason, um, my older son. I think it's because he wears glasses. I have this little theory that she loves people with glasses because I wear glasses too. Um, and so so overall, she has been good except um, because she's constantly wanting to be connected at my hip. There's been some jealousy issues with our son, Dominic. He actually loves her and he has, <laughs> Lord, oh, he is this poor child. He is such a sweet kid, but 
Yeah, I mean, he is out of the mouth of babes, right? He has asked for us to keep her and he wants to return <laughs> uh, her brother. He is not a fan of him. Um, and I think it just comes down to the skills and behaviors that he has just triggers Dominic and actually triggers a lot of us too. Um, and so that's been interesting. But also, you know, just trying as a mom to find that space to like, tell her like, nope, sorry, I'm not picking you up and being intentional and snuggling with Dominic or intentional in hugging my husband because she didn't want um, my husband to even hug me or or kiss me or um, she would wedge herself in between us and stuff. And so that's just been, you know, um, interesting to deal with. She also has a little bit of attitude so she would like to throw things and and so that's the those are the skills that we've been working on as far as like her early childhood development like she didn't place high on any of that stuff she picks up things very easily she's quick to learn so we have not had any real issues as far as like thinking that um those were her um issues she's a normal two-year-old trying to figure out um, attachment skills. Um, so overall, she's been good, but it has been an adjustment. Um, you know, she's with our teen daughter, which she is graciously sharing her space. You know, she doesn't want to give up her space, but she is. And so we've had that um, going on. So I try to be very intentional on like making sure my bigs are having their space to do what they need. Um, and so now when we go over to um, Mr. Man, he's a whole other different story. He, like I said, just turned three. And so there are definitely some behavior and um, uh, learning skills that are just not filled in or equipped. Um, he has certain behaviors that are triggers for all of us. He likes to repeat words. And it's not like a normal... Um, I would say toddler behavior as far as like most toddler behaviors would be like, mom, look at the bird, bird. Yes. Look at the bird where he would more so like bring a car to you, put the car in your face and go car, 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 car. And I, and I will be like, yes, buddy, that is a car. Go play with the car. And he'll just continue to look at me. And if you've ever dealt with um, a child that has um, FASAs or um, some cognitive issues, there's kind of what we call the, um, the blank wall look. And so he has that too. Um, and so we've done like the early childhood development skills training for him and he placed really high on that. So we will be moving forward in... Um, trying to help with his skills on that sort of stuff. We've been working on timeouts with him and um, boundaries um, and just trying to um, use words. He likes to whine a lot. Um, 
And even just safety skills as far as like when strangers would come into our home, he or church or whatever, or even out in a, um, a store, he will walk up to him and just put his arms up because he wants someone to pick him up and take care of him. Um, and so it's just those little things that we're working on. But when you have all of these skills and behaviors thrown at you in the midst of also trying to give your bigs their space or have your other son um, know boundaries and teach that you need to be giving, but we also can have our safety net too. There's all kinds of feelings and all kinds of craziness that gets pushed into this one house on top of being a mom in the midst of COVID trying to juggle everyone's um you know behaviors and skills and space um also while trying to give your your space and learning how to process and um juggling all of the appointments and stuff so to say the least like it's been a very crazy adjustment period for us and I've if you follow me on Instagram or any social media platform, I've been very open about how this transition has been a little bit harder. I think it's been more hard just because we are in the midst of COVID. And so um, things are taking longer as far as like court for the parents or appointments are like online or, um, you know, like our son, Dominic, is all homeschooled. So where before maybe I would have a little bit of a break from him to kind of fill my bucket. Um, while I get a break from the foster kids, he's still constantly here and he is a hands-on child, which means he constantly is needing um, affirmation, support, and redirection. And so it's just been a whole mix of transition periods, whether it's the bios, whether it's Dominic, or whether it's our new placements. Um, but overall, it's good. It's just been a lot. <laughs> um, and so that's what saying yes is. Sometimes you have this misconception of what foster care will look like or what it should be like or how you should feel. And the reality is it just doesn't work out that way. And that's all right. There's no issue with just saying, okay, um, yeah, today is not the day where I'm going to go to work. I need to take um, a mental health day or a me day and just redirect yourself and so like today I actually was supposed to work on Thursday and I decided nope uh, everyone's in daycare Dominic's gone with his grandparents so I'm gonna stay in my PJs all day and I'm gonna go to Hobby Lobby or buy some Christmas presents or do the things that um, I would like to do just to be able to give my sp myself some space to process come down and not have to think about anything foster care or mommy related. And um, sometimes you just need that me time and there's nothing wrong with that at all. So of course, while we're waiting for um, jurisdiction to be finalized, we're also looking at the fact like, okay, what do we think we're going to be able to do long term for these kids? You know, and of course people who don't understand the foster care process are already asking like, 
So are you adopting? Are you wanting to adopt? And um, as of right now, we are not wanting to adopt uh, them or anyone else. Um, God might have a different plan, but um, for us, we are content where our family is. We don't feel called um, at this time. We just want to be that safe place. And there's kind of some reassurance knowing like, okay, we can love on these kids for a season and then return them and then be able to get our family back to what it was, love on our core four and five, build off that, and then maybe again have another season where we're able to just love and breathe into other lives. So that's just kind of where we're at right now with the foster care process with the twins. We're in limbo and wait. And (laughs) if you don't know, that's a majority of what foster care looks like. It's limbo of um, the system, limbo of feelings, um, just limbo. And so you have to learn how to be very flexible, go with the flow and be able to say, this is where we're at. How do I feel in this moment? And try to live in the now instead of constantly questioning what the future is. Because if you're constantly questioning what's to come, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Um, so we're focusing on today and today has been a good day. (laughs) Um, now we're in the midst of November and November is actually adoption awareness month. And what, if you don't know, we actually have a few different stories of adoption and what it looks like in our family. Um, for me, adoption looked like when I had our first son, Isaiah, I was a single mom and his father did not want to participate in, um, raising him. And so when me and Jason decided to get married, um, Jason actually adopted Isaiah and that happened when he was about, um, a year and a half, two years old. So in my son's mind, he had always known Jason as his dad. And it wasn't until he was about 13 years old that we actually um, shared with Isaiah that he was not actually um, Jason's biological um, son. And, you know, as a mom, I dealt with a lot of shame and guilt with that secret. Um We never really actually lied to Isaiah about him being adopted, but we never fully said the truth, too. Um, I was very young when I had Isaiah, and so I was a little selfish, but I also was very concerned that my son would constantly question um, why his bio dad didn't choose him or the behaviors that his father had, and so... With him not being involved in Isaiah's life, it actually made it very simple for us not to have that conversation for so many years. And then when he was in middle school, um, we actually moved from California to Oregon when he was in elementary school. And um, But in middle school, he actually had a cousin from his dad's side move up to Oregon and start attending the same middle school. Talk about a small world, right? And so me and my husband started having the conversation about like, well, how awkward would it be, you know, for our son to come home one day and be like, hey, mom, meet my girlfriend. And it'd actually be 
his cousin. Um, you know, it, chances were that would never happen. But, you know, knowing us and knowing our life, it would just, you know, add the cherry to the top, right? And so um, we also felt we just needed to start having that conversation because um, he was getting to the age where his bio dad's grandparents had also moved it moved close by and we wanted to give him the opportunity to have a relationship with them because I have always had a relationship with them and I checked in with them every year I would send them Christmas cards with pictures and updates and they would send money for um, me to go buy him a Christmas present and and so I just really um wanted my son because they were good people and they had safe skills and they were actually the reason why my husband was able to adopt Isaiah because they made it clear that um, his dad had to just show up and sign up uh, over his rights because he was playing the runaway game and so um for me, I just didn't want to have that hanging over my shoulder and not allowing um, my son to have that relationship with his grandparents and it being too late for him eventually. So we did tell him he was super sad, upset, um, but in all honesty, there wasn't um, a lot of conversation had after that. He made a few comments um, and questioned certain things, but I think it was more like he was just kind of trying to test where my husband felt about it. You know, he'd make a comment about like, well, oh, my my real dad, and I don't even know really what reference it was to, but I think he was more looking to see how Jason would respond to that um, and not seeing any sort of response, while it might have hurt my husband's heart a little bit, um, it didn't, my husband didn't respond. And I think because there was no response and we were willing to have those conversations with him, um, it, it kind of just disappeared. Um, and, you know, we have told um, Isaiah since the beginning that he would be more than willing and able to have a relationship with his father when he was 18 and over because his father has unsafe skills and is actually serving um, some major jail time. Um, and so for me, it wasn't me wanting to keep Isaiah away from his dad because I was just being vindictive or mean or whatever. There were some very major unsafe skills um, that his dad possessed and it I was protecting my son and so I didn't want him to be around that until he was older and able to understand exactly what unsafe skills to look for and since turning 18 he really hasn't um, been interested um, or really talked about it much and so can I sit here and tell you I made the best decision as a mom um, and um, what was best for my son? I honestly, in that situation, it seemed and it has seemed to work out in our everybody's best interest. Um, he's allowed to know 
about his bio family. We've introduced him. We've gone and had dinner. Um, and then he also has the opportunity to have relationships with them. Um, but I also inform him, like, it's your family. I'm just, you know, a- another person on the outside. So if you want to have a relationship with your them, you know, like you have to um, be intentional and reach out and, and do all of that stuff. So, um, so that was our first story of adoption. And then we have another um, journey of adoption, and that is adoption through foster care um, of Dominic. And when we decided to say yes to kids in care, our goal was never to adopt. Honestly, we had one boy, one girl. Um, we didn't really go into it thinking like, oh, yes, like, we need more kids and or we can't have kids and so why not just be that place our goal 100% was um, just to be that place in reunification um, for families and so when we first got Dominic um, I tried to really work with his mom and um, unfortunately it just never worked out you know and um, I know I'm sure in her own way she loves her son um, and I, I'm sure I am I pray and I hope one day that you know she um, is healed and it's something I've always clearly told her that no matter what happens um, whether we had a relationship or not that if eventually one day she reached out to me and actually showed she was clean and sober and had good skills and um, stuff, I would be more than willing to let her have a relationship with Dominic. But again, I feel like my, my ultimate goal as a parent is, um, safety for our children. And so the adoption process is not a simple process. Um, I think a lot of times adoption through foster care is sold that it's this easy like hey you just show up and you like a kid and you adopt a kid and you live happily ever after and that's just not what adoption is Um, it's a long long process ours took three and a half years um, to happen it was emotional roller coaster of thinking that he would go back to mom to know she's gone to oh, yep, he's going to go live in the mission with mom, to nope, she's not participating, to a trial process, to um, the state removing Dominic from our home when they accused us of abuse, to um, still to this day, um, like our adoption finalized in November of last year, but the process isn't actually fully done with us. It took Um, till about April or May for me to actually get his birth certificate. Um, And then after that, because his father has passed away, he actually received social security benefits. But because of COVID, we haven't been able to switch over all of that stuff. Um, And so therefore, um, we still, like he still has all his old stuff or he still, we still still get a stipend for him because that was the adoption agreement until we started receiving social security benefits. But because we can't get social security benefits, they can't take us off the adoption assistant. And so, so while, yes, one part of the adoption journey for him 
it's done. Um, it's still not complete, right? There's still some final steps that haven't been done for us to be able to do the final <sighs> breath um, and let go of that. And then I think too, so many people in the journey um, think that once you hit the adoption day and the celebration that there's this happily ever after moment. And while there is some celebration, we also have to remember that um, adoption comes from a place of brokenness, which means there's, there's sadness, there's grief, but there's also trauma. And trauma doesn't heal just because you got to have an adoption ceremony in a court um, room and you got to take beautiful pictures and you got to hug and invite your family. Um, our son was still born with um, addiction issues. Our son still lived in the system for a majority of his life. Our son still um, suffered from anxiety and PTSD from what the system had done to him. And so just because we had our adoption day doesn't mean that the work is done and our adoption story is done. And so I want to just put that out there with you, especially during this month of Adoption Awareness Month, that adoption isn't a fairy tale happily ever after. It is realizing that the kids that you're saying yes to um, come from complex situations, um, brokenness and trauma. And so that means that you will be constantly addressing, correcting and growing as they are. Um, and so to have that knowledge and know that you will constantly have to adjust and grow to the kids that you say yes to is something that I feel every parent should know before they actually are committing to um, 18 plus years of loving a child. Because um, I will tell you, while some behaviors ended when we finalized our adoption, um, there have been so many other new behaviors, right? And so now I'm juggling, um, he has visits with bio family, grandparents. And so trying to adjust to their lifestyle and how they parent um, and what my expectations are and um, the behaviors of him in all the midst of that is definitely a challenging and trying. Um, and um, it, it's really hard some days. It's really hard some days where I've actually even questioned like, Lord, are you sure I was the right mom? Um, but I, I want to say, I think I know I'm the right mom because A, I was chosen by God for us in this story, but also because I know it hurts when it hurts me when he hurts and I'm constantly wanting to do better and do more for him. And so um, no matter what your adoption um, process looks like or your adoption story looks like, just know that you are allowed to feel your feels. You are allowed to question things. You are allowed to know what safe boundaries are. And you need to know that adoption doesn't end. Um, the story doesn't end just because there was a stamp or a seal saying that that child belongs to you forever. 
you're going to have to put work into it for the rest of your life. And um, you're just going to have to love and grow in each one of those moments. So I, I'm thankful that we got to walk through both processes because it has taught me so much about um, sacrifice for others. It's taught me how to give grace not only to others but definitely myself um, in this roller coaster of foster care and what adoption looks like. So yeah, so that's just everything that's been going on in our life um, from catching up with the twins and what our foster care journey looks like to that. Um, You know, I've been busy just trying to get Geronimo Project and the nonprofit status going so that we can work on um, growing and offering classes and programs for foster families in our area and growth in that area, Um, but also COVID. I've had to learn, now I'm homeschooling my children and I have to learn boundaries as far as um, for myself, just like the expectations of trying to be the perfect mom, wife, um, daughter of God or church or, you know, so the juggle and life is just really complicated and raw for most of us, I think right now. And so that's just where we're at. Um, and I'm thankful for this place that I get to just share with you where we're at and where we're going, um, and what our adoption process looked like. But I definitely want to remind you that adoption is more than just us saying yes to kids um, that have come up for adoption. Um, There are so many great resources for bio parents that have chosen to give their child up for adoption, whether it's open or closed adoption, or what um, reunification looks like, or what... um, second parenting, um, the additional bio or um, additional parents look like. So my challenge to you during this month is maybe dig a little bit deeper on what um, the adoption process has looked like, what you think it looks like, and what um, all the different resources out there can look like. Um, Because the reality is For you to be able to say yes to a kid in care or a a child that needs a home, you need to know where they're coming from. You need to know um, their family, um, what what brought their parents to possibly give their child up for adoption or um, just what it looks like because each journey, as you can tell from um, both of our son's journey, looks so different, but they both were a story of brokenness, trauma, and then eventually ended with um, some celebratory moments. So that's my goal for you guys. And it's so thankful that you're just able to catch up with us today. So think about all those things we talked about today. Stay tuned, make sure you follow, like, and share with your friends the Bold Life Out Loud podcast, and make sure to find me on Instagram at Bold Life Out Loud or Geronimo Project. I want to hear your comments, questions. Let me know what you think and what you want to hear because you are not alone on this journey. So 
See you next time on Bold Life Out Loud Podcast.